0: said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, Colin Hone. Let's just pray. Father in heaven, um, please speak through me today, Lord, so it's not over that Christ in me. And I just pray for those who hear this message today that uh, they'll receive in their hearts, Lord. And not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. I pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I used to be in the Navy, and uh, one thing they taught us in the Navy was to always be on time. Who's on time most of the time? Who would you say you're an on-time person? Yeah, I'd say half the church, half the church. Uh, I'm usually always on time if not a little bit earlier. It was just drilled into me in the Navy and I also went to boarding school. And so at boarding school, everything was regimented and we had to be on time. So for me, it's natural to be on time. Sometimes it annoys me when people are late, uh, especially in church things, because I think, and I've noticed that Adventists are always late. (laughs) (laughs) I just hope you're not late for the second coming of Jesus (laughs) because the Bible says in Matthew 25 that the five foolish are late. So uh, don't be a foolish virgin. Make sure you're on time and you're ready on time. But uh, you know, God has a... Uh, God's book is a book of appointments. A book of appointments. And... Um, is this going to work? Yeah. God has a prophetic timetable right through the Bible. And he has a timetable or a divine prophetic time clock for all the events of Earth's history. You know, it was uh, it was the prophecies of Daniel and uh, that convinced me that there was a God. The prophecies of Daniel when I first read the Bible and someone opened the Bible and said that God can predict the future. You know, first you get in six hundred or about five hundred and eighty six BC he said there'll be Babylon, then medo Persia, then the Kingdom of Greece, and the Kingdom of Rome, and then the ten kingdoms that come out of that. And then there's a little horn, and then there's 1260 years of the Dark Ages. And this convinced me there was a God. Because God can predict the future. And so I was convinced there was a God. You know, God has a timetable for everything. In the Bible, in, uh, God told Abraham and his descendants that they'll be captive in a foreign land for how long? For 400 years. This is what he told Abraham. And we read in Genesis chapter 15, verse 13 to 14, Genesis 15, 13, 14. And he said to Abraham, Know of a surety that the seed shall be a stranger in land that is not theirs. And they shall serve them and they shall afflict them for how long? For 400 years. This is before it happened. And also the nation whom they shall serve I will judge and afterwards they shall come out with great substance. So here's God saying this is what's going to happen. Okay, What happened? Right on time. Exodus chapter 12, verse 40 to 41, right on time, the Bible tells us, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years, on the very, very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. Look at that, right on time, God raised up Moses to lead God's people out of Egypt. Right on time. What about another one? God told Israel, how long were they going to go into captivity? For 70 years. He said, you're going to go into captivity for seven years because they had sinned against God, they'd rebelled against God, He says, I'm going to send you into captivity for 70 years. And right right on time, you look in the Bible Jeremiah 25, 12, Then it came to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation in the land of Chaldeans, for their sins, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Exactly, 70 years later, God started letting his people out of Babylon. Did you know that Babylon today is near Iraq and it's just desolate? There's just owls and things like that and coyotes. It's absolutely desolate. The most magnificent city back in ancient times is completely desolate, just as God said would happen. Just as God said, God has a prof- time for everything. What about Daniel? God told Daniel the time of a promised Messiah, didn't he? He said that the 70 weeks prophecy or the 490 years prophecy, that the Messiah would come. And exactly, he said from the time from the time that Israel was to build Jerusalem. And let's go to that. Daniel 9.24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city. To finish transgression, to make an end of sin. To make a reconciliation for iniquity. Iniquity means sin. To bring everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision of prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy One. So the Most Holy was going to be anointed during the 70 weeks prophecy. What happened? Right on time, we see that exactly from the time in 457 BC, it's so up there, can you see that all right there? It's a bit small, but from 457 BC, from the time that the decree went out to restore and build Jerusalem exactly on time, Jesus was baptised in 27 AD. How's that? Exactly on time. And you can see up there in Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being the tetrarch of Galilee, and I'm not going to go through all the others because I can't pronounce them, but basically, John, the son of Zachary in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance and remission of sins. So do you know what year that was in the 15th year of Tiberius Caesar? 27 AD. Exactly on time. And what happened in 27 AD? Even Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of time had come, so when the time had come, the prophetic time clock had struck, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And look what happened. And Jesus was baptized in 27 AD. Just as the prophecy said in Daniel, the anointed one, He'll be anointed. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit in 27 AD. And it also says, though, that He would make a covenant for one week. Or one day for a year, seven years. And in the midst of that week, He would put an end to sin. So what happened in the middle of the week? Jesus was baptised in 27 AD. And sometimes we think, was that it? Was Jesus just baptised once? you know that daily He received a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit? Daily. This is what uh, Ellen White says in the Spirit of Prophecy. She says, daily, speaking about Jesus, received a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the early hours of the new day, the Lord awakened from His slumbers and His soul and lips were anointed with grace. That he might impart to others. So, why did he receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What was the purpose of it? He received grace to impart to others. So, every day Jesus went around doing divine appointments. He received grace and then he imparted it. There were divine appointments. Look at the divine appointment with the demoniac. Jesus goes over in a boat. He meets this demoniac. It was a divine appointment. The demoniac was freed. Was freed. And then, the demonic, do you know the demoniac wanted to follow Jesus? He says, can I come with you? And Jesus said, no. Stay here and go and tell everybody what God has done for you. And you know what? When they went back over into that town, that city, that says many people believed, because the demoniac went witnessed, there was a divine appointment. Another one, Jesus' divine appointment with the woman at the well. Another divine appointment. God must have told him in the morning what was going to happen that day. Because Jesus knew that the woman in the well had been with five different husbands. He knew that. And so it was a divine appointment. And what happened? Jesus told the woman at the well everything about her. He told her you've, had five, you've been married five times and you're living with one man who's not even married to. And she went back to the town and told everyone that, we've, that she found the Messiah. And the whole town came and they believed. Another divine appointment. What about the prostitute that was brought to Jesus? Another divine appointment. This prostitute is brought to Jesus, and they wanted Jesus to stone her. He says, you know, by the law, this woman should be stoned. But what did Jesus do? Well, the first thing he says, He who has not sinned cast the first stone. Has anyone uh, not sinned here? We've all sinned, haven't we? And fall short of the glory of God. And so one by one, they all left. And there was Jesus left with this woman. And what did he say to her? He says, I don't condemn you either. What an awesome God we have. I don't condemn you either. And he says, now go and sin no more. A divine appointment. Another one, Zac- Zacchaeus, or Zacchaeus, however you want to pronounce it. Zacchaeus, here's Zacchaeus sitting in a tree. Jesus is walking along. A divine appointment is just about to happen. Jesus is walking on, Zacchaeus up the tree, and Jesus looks up the tree and says, Hey, come down, Zacchaeus. I want to eat with you today and have lunch with you today. Just want to have lunch with you. And so Zacchaeus, wow, has lunch. You know, when you come, come into contact with Jesus, things happen. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and everybody hated his guts. All right, Basically, he ripped off everybody and uh, was collecting more money than he should. And here's Jesus, says, I want to have lunch with you. I didn't hear once when I read in the gospel of Jesus condemning Zacchaeus. I didn't hear Jesus condemning the woman at the well. I didn't hear Jesus condemning the prostitute. But being around Jesus, people are changed. The demoniac was changed. The woman at the well was changed. Zacchaeus was changed. And what happened? Zacchaeus gave back four times. It was it four times of what he robbed and half his wealth. And he became a follower of Jesus just for having lunch with Jesus in the book of David we also ultimately what would happen to Messiah in Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 exactly in the middle of the week in 31 AD on the 14th day at 3 o'clock in the afternoon exactly at the time of the sacrifice and this wasn't just a daily sacrifice this was the day of atonement this Jesus Was crucified exactly on time according to God's prophetic time God has has it all worked out right to the end what about Peter after Jesus went back to heaven was Peter set up with divine appointments look at the day of Pentecost on the day of Pentecost Peter was anointed or baptized with the Holy Spirit and he's preaching a sermon it wasn't probably the theologians say it's not the greatest sermon that was ever preached it wasn't you know cut and dry it wasn't perfect it was pretty ordinary like probably my today but the point is though he preached with the power of the Holy Spirit and when he preached he said these words he said you crucified the Messiah you crucified the Messiah now did those Jews crucify the Messiah I thought it was the Romans that actually crucified the Messiah but when I thought about this I thought Haven't we all crucified Jesus? Didn't Jesus go to the cross for me? Didn't Jesus go to the cross for you? So in a sense, we all put Jesus on that cross. Because without Jesus on the cross, none of us could be saved or our sins could not be forgiven. And so we all put Jesus on the cross. And when we realised, or when they realised they put Jesus on the cross, it says they were cut to the heart. They were cut to the heart. And they say, what do we do? What should we do? And Peter said these words, repent, be baptised, and you too shall receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so that day, 3,000 people were baptised, a divine appointment. And it's the same with us. When we realise that our sins have put Jesus on the cross, the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and leads us to say, what shall I do? Repent. Repent. Be baptized, and you too shall receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. What about Peter with Cornelius? God set up a divine appointment by having two divine dreams. He gives Cornelius a dream, and says, "Send, send your men and meet a man in uh, meet this man and bring him back here." He has a dream, and so at the same time Peter is on the roof praying. I think it was in Joppa, and was it Joppa? Yeah. In Joppa. And Peter's sort of praying, and he has a vision. That he says, Go, he has a vision of this sheet, of all these unclean animals coming down on this sheet. Like a big vision in the sky, and he sees all these unclean animals. And God says, Eat. And Peter's never eaten anything unclean in his life. And God says, Eat. And he says, I've never eaten anything unclean, Lord. He says, What I've made clean is not unclean. Now, he wasn't talking about animals, of course, because if you read the rest of the the chapter in the book of Acts, he was talking about the Gentiles because the Jews would not associate with the Gentiles. They wouldn't eat with them. They wouldn't eat with them. So he's God breaking down the barriers, breaking down the barriers between the Jews and the Gentiles and saying, even the Gentiles have been accepted in the kingdom of God. They've been grafted in to Israel. And so they had a divine appointment. And what happened? Peter's preaching. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they too accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and were baptized in water, as well. What about the divine appointment with the Ethiopian treasurer? Another. All of a sudden, the Ethiopian is just you know on his chariot, reading God's word. He knew God's word. He was he was a believer. He went to Israel or Jerusalem to pray and to worship God, but he's reading Isaiah, but he didn't know who the Messiah was. So. Up jumps uh, Philip, just out of appears out of nowhere, another divine appointment that God has set up. He hops in the chariot and says, "You know, do you know what you?" Before he hops in, "Do you know what you're reading?" He says, "I haven't got a clue what I'm reading." He says, he hops in, he explains from the Scripture who the Messiah was. And he went through the Old Testament. That would have been a pretty long day because there's like hundreds of prophecies about Jesus' first coming. And so, the Philippian uh, Philip, or the Ethiopian, believed, and he was baptized that day was baptized That another divine appointment with a divine message that Jesus is the Messiah. What about Stephen's divine appointment? You know, not all divine appointments work out really well. Have you ever had a divine appointment that didn't work out too well? I've had a few in my life and it hasn't worked out well. But do we still share the message? Yeah, Stephen shared the message to all the leaders of Israel. This was the final, final plea to Israel before the 70 weeks was cut off where the time of Israel uh, was over and God was going to hand the hand the ball over, the football over to the Christian church. And so Stephen gives out the message that Jesus is the Messiah. And what happened to them? He was stoned. He was stoned giving that message. So sometimes giving the message, it might work out well but it did work out in the end because guess who was standing there that very day? Was Paul, who became the greatest evangelist in the uh, first century. You know what? When we look at the, uh, the next time prophecy is the last time prophecy in the Bible. There is no other time Bible prophecies after this prophecy. It's called the 2300 year or 2300 day or 2300 year prophecy. And it's found in the book of Daniel in chapter 8 verse 14. And it's connected with the 70 weeks prophecy or the 490 years prophecy. And basically it says, and it to me, and 2300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. You know, it was this prophecy, when I read this prophecy and understood this prophecy, is why I joined the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Exactly this prophecy. Because this prophecy, right, this message that God has given to the Seventh-day Adventist Church happened right on time, prophetically on time in 1844. And when we look at that, and we look at the 70 weeks, and we go through the, the, uh, the timeline, we see it starts in 457 B.C., and it finishes in 1844 and judgment begins. Does anyone know what the cleansing of the sanctuary is? The cleansing of the sanctuary in ancient Israel, once a year, once a year, alright, the sanctuary had to be cleansed. Okay? So let me try and give you an analogy of today. You know, we all have our, our rubbish bins in our house, don't we? And we put our rubbish, my rubbish bins in the like in the laundry, and every day we put rubbish into the laundry bin. All right, and every day we go and tip it into the outside bin, the uh, green, the, not the green one, the red bin or the yellow bin. And what happens? Every day, is the rubbish still on my property? Yeah, I mean, I'm putting it out every day, aren't I? The rubbish every day I'm putting into the bin. Still, but still on my property, isn't it? The rubbish. Once a week, this truck comes by, picks up the rubbish, and takes it off my property. So my rubbish, in a sense, is cleansed. My you know what I mean? You get the drift? All right. It's the same thing. Is every day, people would bring lambs or a lamb or a pigeon or something or a dove or would bring to the sanctuary. They would cut cut the, uh, the throat of the lamb, take the blood. The priest would take the blood and sprinkle it on the sanctuary. So every day, you are transferring your sins into the lamb and the lamb's blood into the sanctuary. So every day, the, the record of your sins is piling up in the sanctuary. Once a year, like that, like that truck, like the uh, rubbish truck, would come past, right? And the blood, the blood, or the sanctuary needed to be cleansed of the record of the sin. So, what was Israel doing on the Day of Atonement? You think they were celebrating? Was Israel celebrating on the Day of Atonement? No, that was the Feast of Tabernacles when they celebrated. On the Day of Atonement, they were afflicting their souls before God, asking for forgiveness of sins to make sure that they repent of all their sins so they could be cleansed in the sanctuary. And if they didn't and they were held on to their sins, they were cast out, out of Israel. So we're in that, what's called the anti-typical Day of Atonement. Jesus in 1844 entered the most holy place for the cleansing of the sanctuary. It's called the investigative judgment. So hopefully all your sins are in the sanctuary and Jesus is going to cleanse the record of them but before he cleanses the sanctuary the record of our sins he has to cleanse them our sins from our heart so on the day of atonement we're afflicting our souls before God and saying God forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness and then then, when Jesus finishes his work as high priest in the sanctuary our sins have been cleansed the record of them has been you know cast to the east to the west and remember no more so that's what Jesus is doing right now. He is interceding for us in the heavenly sanctuary. But soon, He's going to finish that work. Very soon, that work is going to be finished. And this is what it is. The Day of Atonement. The High Priest enters the Most Holy Place to make an atonement for the sanctuary, to symbolically cleanse the sanctuary from the confessed sins of Israel. And just like that, Jesus is in the heavenly sanctuary. He is making an atonement for and symbolically cleansing the sanctuary from the confessed sins of God's people that have been piling up over the last 2000 years okay that's what's going to finish very soon so after the tw- now there's another prophecy as well that convinced me as well there's a prophecy called the 1260 year prophecy this prophecy is when God's sanctuary will be trampled on God's sanctuary will be what Trample. trampled on so what was in the sanctuary that was trampled on We had the altar of sacrifice. Okay? You'd come, so in other words, you'd come to the altar of sacrifice. Okay? And what does that represent, the altar of sacrifice? I'm giving you a hint. The cross. The cross. The altar of sacrifice. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, the lamb that was sacrificed for our sins. Then, after the uh, cross was what? The basin. The golden basin where the priest would wash his hands of the blood. That's the cleansing, that represents baptism. All right, washing our sins away, cleansing ourselves, and then where would you go after that? The priest would then go into the holy place, and there were three items in the holy place. There was the showbread, there was the altar of incense, and there was the seven stick, seven stick candlestick. What that represents? The showbread represents God's word. I'm the bread of life. I'm the word. Of, the word of life. The bread. And so the incense represents our prayers that go up to heaven. And the seven, seven candlesticks represents the church. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. You be the light of the world. And so when we become a Christian, we follow the steps. We first, we come to the, the cross. We ask for forgiveness. We our sins are washed or cleansed. We then enter in the holy place. Jesus Jesus is the forerunner. We enter the holy place. So we spend time in God's Word, we spend time in prayer, and we spend time in witnessing. That's in the holy place. And the final part is into the most holy place. And that's where God's Shekinah glory dwell, in the most holy place. And that's where God's law is. God's law and His mercy seat that covers God's law. Now what happened is, in 1844, is connected with what's called the Three Angels' Messages. You might have heard of the Three Angels' Messages. This is the last message that goes to the world, and it's connected with cleansing of the century. Because when you read Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12, it says judgment has begun. And the Day of Atonement was about judgment. It was see who benefit, benefit from the sacrifice. And so Satan is pretty upset with the people who are giving this message, because this message prepares people for the second coming of Jesus. The three angels' message prepares people for the three angels' message, uh, for Jesus' second coming. And so Satan is arranged with a woman. A woman means church. church. And he went to make war with the offspring, or another translation is remnant. Who what? Two, they have two things. They keep the commandments of God, and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So here's a church, a woman, right? the last remaining church, keeps the commandments of God, and has the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, what's the testimony of Jesus Christ? Well, in Revelation chapter nineteen, verse nine and ten, it says the testimony of Jesus Christ is the spirit of prophecy. So, God's last day church will have keep the commandments of God and have the spirit of prophecy amongst them. Okay, this message also they'll be giving what's called the three angels' message, because judgment begins in eighteen forty four. So, the three angels' message couldn't go to the world. Until 1844. Isn't it interesting that the three angels' message did not go to the world before 1844? Because judgment had not begun. But now this message can go to the world. Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. Right on time. Mm -hmm. Ellen White says in the book of evangelism, page 119, in a special sense, seven day Adventists have been set in the world as watchmen and light bearers. To them is entrusted the last warning. a perishing well. Do you know that we've been given the last warning to go to the well? There is no other prophecy, time prophecy after the 2300 days. There's some certain prophecies that need to be fulfilled, but there's no time prophecy. This means that this is the last message to go to the well. This is it. On them has been the shining wonderful light from the Word of God. They've been given the most solemn import, the proclamation of what? The first, second, and third angel's message. There is no other work of so great importance, they are to allow nothing else to absorb their attention. This is our message, and we're to take it to the world, to prepare people for the second coming of Jesus. You know, we have a divine message, and if we are willing to give that divine message, God will set up divine appointments. So what's next on the prophetic timetable? second coming Jesus. But you know there's something else that's going to happen before Jesus comes? It's called the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. God is going to pour out His latter rain of the Holy Spirit like He did on Pentecost. But you know it's going to even be more abundant. And you know that uh, in the spirit of prophecy it says the only ambition of the early believers was to reveal the character of Jesus and to build up His kingdom. That's it. To reflect the character of Jesus and to build up his kingdom. And she goes on to say that these scenes are going to be repeated, but even greater power when the latter rain is put out. And you know, we're having revival here each Wednesday, and now the youth are coming together on Friday nights praying for revival. We're coming together on Wednesday night and we're praying for revival in this church. We're praying for the latter rain. We're praying for two things, really. One, to reflect the character of Jesus and two, to build up his kingdom and to give this message, the three angels' message, to the world. So, do you want divine appointments? You need to have a divine message to give divine appointments. So, we need to pray and ask for divine appointments as Jesus taught us in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13. In Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 13, his disciples came up to Jesus and they said, Teach to pray. And he said, When you pray, you told me, the Our Father. Then he gives a parable what to pray for. He says, We're to pray for bread to give to our neighbors. And who is the bread? Jesus. The Word of God. We're to give the Word of God and Jesus, the gospel, to our neighbors. And then he goes on, if you read chapter uh, 14, it's chapter 11, verse 1 to 13, he then says, We're to ask six times i think it's five times ask seek for the holy spirit how did jesus give out his message he was baptized with the holy spirit how will we give out our message in power to the Baptism in the holy spirit so we're to ask number one number two we need the Baptism in the holy spirit as well in act chapter 1 verse 8 jesus says you will be baptized with the holy spirit and have power to witness so you need the Baptism in the holy spirit to have power to witness. And the third thing is, we need to have a divine message. And Revelations 14, 6-12 is the divine message for the last days. You know, many of us are seven-day Adventists are like Jonah. you know the story of Jonah? He was given a message, wasn't he? A specific message to go to Nineveh and tell him to repent or you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. Did Jonah want to give that message? Like, you know, who wants to be given a message to go into a... You know, that's modern day Syria. You're like, who wants to go to Syria today? All right? All right. But he was given a message to go to Syria Syria in that modern day, which was, uh, and say, repent, all right, or judgment is coming. Did he do, did he do that message straight away? No. no, He ran the other way. I don't blame him. I think I would have probably ran the other way as well. But you know, God is a God of second chances. And he gave him a second chance. Just as he was drowning, just his last breath. He'd taken his last breath. He's drowning and he's crying out probably in his mind, i say. Save me, Lord. And the Lord saved him. You know, he was swallowed by a fish. And guess where he was thrown up on? On Nineveh. Right on the beaches of Nineveh, he was thrown up on it. On the, the fish carries him to the right beach. All right? Not Joppa, what, Joppa or whatever it was going to. I forget where it was. But he was thrown up... Where? Tarsus. Tarsus. He was thrown up on the right beach, and he gave the message, and the people were saved, weren't they? All right. Let's don't be like Jonah, all right, who just turn the other way and go the opposite way. Let's give the message that God's given us. And I know there's parts of it that aren't popular, isn't there? I mean, I don't want to tell anybody about the mark of the beast. Do you? That's like a Jonah message, isn't it? You know. I don't want to tell them that if you receive the mark of the beast, you are going to, what? Be lost. You are lost. But you know what? I'd rather give, tell people the truth and give them an opportunity to make a decision to receive the seal of God and to accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour than say nothing. nothing. Because if we say nothing, we'll be held accountable. We'll be held responsible. But if we give the message out in love, okay, We will not be held responsible, and many people will be saved, just like Nineveh. So we're to share a divine message. We're to have power, and we're to ask for that power. We need divine appointments to give a divine message. The four Gospels in the book of Acts is a record of divine appointments to share the everlasting gospel to rescue men and women from sin. That is our message. And you too can be in the book of Acts. You can be in what I call the book of divine appointments. Why there's still time. Thank
1: you. You've been listening to Go Teach All Nations here on 3ABN
0: Australia Radio.
1: welcome you to healthy living around the world. I am on site at Landhaus die Arke, which is a lifestyle center in the Mecklenburg region of northeast Germany, about two hours from Berlin. And the name der Arke is, uh, actually means the Ark, like the Ark of Noah in the Bible. That's the, what the name is based upon. With me here uh, as a guest on this program is Teresa Krauk, Welcome to the program, Teresa. Thank you so much. (laughs) Now, Teresa, you are here working at um, Die Arke. Where have you come from originally? Are you from here in Germany or somewhere else? No, not at all. Um, I'm originally from the Netherlands and um, I'm here since February this year. And it has been very interesting how God has led me so far. Uh, I'm actually a primary school teacher. I've been working in the Netherlands uh, for seven years. But, um, yeah, as a step of faith, I went out of my job. Mm -hmm. And God led me to this job here. It was not my intention to come here at all. Okay. (laughs) And uh, it was very funny how God... um, Yeah, can work and can open ways for us. I was here to a wedding of one of the colleagues of my twin sister. My twin sister is also working here. And um, so we went to the wedding and like nine different colleagues of my sister were saying, yeah, I know you will come work here. (laughs) And in different situations, they have not heard each other talk. All of them said at like nine, and I was wow. like, God, are you joking? <laughs> that's that's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was like, this is this can't be real, you know. I'm a teacher. Who am I to to go here to a health center? Does God really call me there? Mm-hmm. Well, he did apparently, because um, in that weekend I was also asked to come to a New Start program. They mm-hmm. do many New Start programs for people, and um, they have a winter break, and then in February they start again. And uh, they didn't have enough people who were health coaches. Ah. So then they asked me if I could come. Well, I came. Then many people went ill of the, um, of the colleagues. And then after um, like one and a half week, they asked me if I could stay longer. I said, well, I have to pray about that. And then in the end, um, before this time, I prayed to God, you know, that I really want to serve you. And I... I want to know how I can combine true education together with the medical missionary work. Because both are the hands of the gospel, but Mm -hmm. it should also come fluently together Mm -hmm. like a puzzle. And how do I do that? I read the theory, but I was not really sure Uh. how to do it practically. And I believe that God has called me here as a preparation to prepare myself. Okay. So what kind of things are you doing here? Um, my work is very, very broad. Okay. Um, many other colleagues are just in the kitchen or just uh-huh. uh, behind the desk, you know. Um, but I have many different uh, jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, I am doing most of the time, um, I'm making uh, special uh, spreads for okay. our bread, mm-hmm. then I make it nice for the breakfast. And um, so that's, that's one uh, job, so yes. a bit of kitchen. On top of that, I serve people mm-hmm. uh, the lunch or the breakfast. So that's what I do a bit. And uh, on top of that, I do like uh, health treatments, so like uh, water therapy, like hydrotherapy, uh, and together with that also uh, massage. Right, so that's, that's uh, yeah, brought in different areas. And sometimes also planning.
0: So, okay. planning
1: from okay, what kind of uh, treatments do people get? Ah, uh, I yeah. see. Mhm. Oh, so, good. it's a bit broad. Yes, yes. So, that I think might be like you were saying, you wanting to get trained up and get experience in this, this kind of work. So, the fact that it's broad is probably quite useful for you. What are you wanting to do after you go from here? Oh, well, that's a, indeed a very interesting question <laughs> because God's preparation school was very clear. I was like, God, how can you want me to come here? I'm, mm. I'm a teacher, you know? Yes. Who am I? Uh, to be sent here, but um, he wanted to prepare me to be able to combine through education with medical missionary work. Mm -hmm. And um, already some years ago, I think now five years ago, I um, heard Wayne Lemon speaking. I don't know if you know him. but I've heard of him, yes. uh, He was talking about country living, about through education, about the health message, and all that just... Yeah, it touched me deeply mm-hmm. and it started, uh, like a little fire started burning inside okay. of me. And um, God really called me and said, start a school for me. And I went like Moses, like, where am I? <laughs> and again, the <that> same <laughs> voice came, start a school for me. I said, but Lord. Where do I find the people? You know, I can't do that on my own. Ah. Start a school <laughs> for me. <laughs> so, that, that message was very clear, That's and that strong. calling has mm. been there. I tried in the Netherlands, but door really closed. Yes, I okay. can. Um, it's not easy in the Netherlands as well with the, the law system, new mm. laws coming up, and stuff like that. Um, and also finding the right people because mm. you can't do it on your own. And then came this on my path. Um, In my church, there were other people who were saying we want to start a project where through education and medical missionary work will come together in Tanzania. So in that way, I flew twice to Tanzania to see what are the needs of people there. And um, recently, this year we started uh, our foundation, Mm -hmm. like officially, Um, we are called Advent Herald Mission. And um, well, Advent, because we want to uh, prepare people for the second coming of Jesus, herald, like heralding it, like mm-hmm. bring them there mm-hmm. to be ready. And uh, the mission, yeah, that is in any kind of way. So um, what our goal is, is to start a school, a health center, a health shop and a chapel. So with those four components, those four locations and those for facilities we hope to bring people closer to god and there was one really striking moment in tanzania that really touched me there were two girls i think one was seven the other was 11 mm-hmm. and um they had no hope in their eyes they had a baby brother or sister on their back and those mm. babies were crying and i looked in their eyes and those girls had no hope and i was like no this can't be you know and and there i i saw the calling and um the calling to make a difference and mm-hmm. give hope again for the poor. People. And um, hope because they get knowledge, you know, mm-hmm. the head. Yes. But also in the heart, with the Bible, with uh, creativity, but yes. also the hands. That they learn how to help others, help themselves health-wise. Mm. But also get like skills for life. Um, and in that way, I think poverty can be broken down in any Way just yes. a simple way of simple education, pure education, where head, heart, and hands meet each other. Yeah, well, I think that combination is going to be an amazing, have an amazing effect in that that community. I pray so, and yes. I hope so, and um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's really wonderful to 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 see how God has opened the way towards that, and how He's preparing me here. For me to know more about Medical Missionary by doing it, because the theory was there, um, helps me also to see how can I do that with children? How can I do that with a little bit older children? Mm. How could we do that also with youth and stuff like that? Mm. So um, I'm getting really inspired every day. (laughs) (laughs) That's so (laughs) good. So all the time as you're working here, you're thinking, how am I going to use this? when I go to Tanzania and work and develop this project. Exactly, Mm. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we also have a website. So that is uh, Mm www.adventheraldmission.org. And there you can also uh, subscribe for our newsletter. So you can be... um... So praying for us, please, because we still need a lot. We bought 50 acres of land in a region that is really beautiful really green. And um, we hope to live from what the land brings, Mm -hmm. but that needs time, of course. Mm -hmm. So um, we still have to start building houses and then the first classroom. And uh, yeah, yeah, so we build up. You build it up from there. Yeah, in simplicity Mm -hmm. we start, Mm -hmm. but uh, we believe God uh, will develop Mm -hmm. this. And when it's his plan, uh, you know, God's will, his will. So we pray for that uh, he will really you know, work his miracle, and he has already done many things. Yeah, up that's... to now, you're bringing me here in the <laughs> yeah. archer with you, talking with you. That's 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 amazing how he works. So tell me a little bit more about why you appreciate health and healthy living principles so much. Well, that's really um a very interesting question. What you're saying, I never really thought about it that way, but. Yeah, has done the health message for me personally. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very important way to answer a question. Yes. Um, the health message has done much for me in my life. Um, I've been a vegetarian all my life, okay. also an Adventist all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, did take time to find God and really have a connection with Him, though. Yes. But, um, yeah, together with finding God and His holiness, I... It first started actually with music. Mm-hmm. I couldn't worship God anymore mm. where I was uh, mm. in, in the church. And I was uh, looking for God's holiness. So together with my twin sister and other friends, we went church hopping. And then I found really um, yeah, a good church where I could really um, have that communion with God that mm-hmm. I had with him alone. But I couldn't have in church anymore. So that was the first step. And together with that, I started um, being more mindful on what I ate. Okay. I was um, very much of a chocoholic, like me okay. badly. I guess. And um, so I stopped eating sugar and also with that chocolate. And then I started to be more mindful um okay... Actually when I eat cheese, like Holland and cheese, I mean <laughs> I, <don't understand. laughs> um, I also want yes. more of that. So let me stop with that too. So okay. actually I see how God works, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's not in one time. He doesn't say, Oh, stop that for me, you know? No, he doesn't say that. He he takes you by the hand gradually and says, Okay, first that my child." <laughs> that step and then okay it's definitely time yes mm. and that's how it how it went actually with me so then the last thing that i had to leave out was egg and then i stopped that and it had many health benefits i saw uh, a really a big change health-wise and uh, yeah so i was really thankful for that that's my um so the nutrition part mm. is uh, and music part, mm-hmm. also um, yeah, what I listen to, uh, you know, um, that has been uh, one part, and next to that the nutrition part. So, yeah, mentally and what we take in, you know, mm-hmm. in our brain with listening to what we are listening, um, but also uh, what we're seeing, what we're eating, it's mm-hmm. all influencing the mind a lot. That change I, I really saw in a, a big way. So did you notice uh, in any way how uh, making these changes in your health and you know, how you, your lifestyle, did it have any impact on your spiritual life that you noticed? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was finally able to really read the Bible. Before that time, my mind was so clogged. Oh. I couldn't even really like constantly read the Bible so number one was concentration where I mm-hmm. I, I saw it in um, uh, secondly I felt also better in my body I had right. uh, before that time really lots of uh, stomach pain and um, like really swelling up mm-hmm. also and probably was like lactose intolerance or something okay. like that mm-hmm. but the, yeah since I've i've started eating vegan that's not Mm. come up anymore and that pain was really incredible Uh, yeah so yeah by having this simple food actually i i learned to be vegan with all the alpro and all the brands and everything but more and more you go further you learn that simplicity is power gradually you learn and um yeah Mm -hmm. that helped me much so you've noticed that it's it's really helped you have. More clarity in your mind and being able to connect with God through reading the Bible, pretty much. Yeah, so spiritually, it brought me much to have more time with God, okay. and um, I believe that it it um, he wanted to have a deeper connection with me, but mm. I had to give up this God, okay. Mister Chocolate, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you know, and when you, you give that to him, then he gives you much more back. Yes, so you're enjoying a deeper relationship with God now. Exactly, and mm. it's um it's like you know, like that song oh, for a closer walk with God, mm-hmm. a calm and heavenly frame you know that's that's mm. that that comes, and then that light comes in your heart, and you can only shine for God, yes, to his glory, that's what he wants, you know, even uh, through devotion time that I had in that time, you know uh, when I was really praying about my health, like okay, how then. Yeah, but your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. I mm. never thought of my body as a temple of the Holy Ghost, you know? Ah. So that kind of stuff, God was really feeling also to me, like, my child, you're holy, you know that? I bought you with a high price, and I, I want you to treat your body with respect. Yes. And I was like, how? How can I <laughs> do that, you know? and. Yeah, um, hmm. gradually I learned um, more and more about nutrition, but also, of, so of course, the other New Start principles, mm-hmm. and that, um, that, yeah, helped me in my relationship with God to, yeah, draw closer to Him. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's excellent. So you've been talking about this New Start program and New Start principles. What, what does New Start mean in, in a nutshell? is uh, something that has been written uh, quite some time ago, like hundred years ago by Anna White. And Anna White got um, yeah, revelations from God on how to have a healthier lifestyle. Her own husband uh, was very, very ill. And by getting revelation from God, how to treat him, she uh, adapted that into his life. And um, after a stroke, he was able to walk again by mm. God's grace. And then the first uh, health center was opened. So these New Start principles are not just coming out of my mouth. They're old, actually. New Start stands for nutrition, exercise, water, then sunshine, temperance, air, rest, and then trusting God. So all these components together, if you take them together, they can build health and they are all together bringing a healthy lifestyle that's actually what god wants for us that we are very healthy Uh and that we honor him with our body by eating well by exercising by drinking Uh water by um having enough enough sunlight um by yeah having temperance by having enough air also of course and yes. rest and by trusting oh. in god yes. it's all complete mm-hmm. because without trust or mm. without trusting god um, yeah that's really such a important uh, part for me mm. if we don't have trust we have nothing to stand on and then we can have stress and then we can eat very well but it doesn't do anything if we don't have trust then you know i can exercise very well but somehow there's something happening and I can't Mm -hmm. really have the rest so the trust that's I think the foundation for all these new start principles okay yeah so it's quite comprehensive would you have a favorite lifestyle principle that's really interesting all of them are so important yes (laughs) but I think it's the tea of trusting God Uh because if you do the new star like Mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood they are also vegan and uh, doing all their stuff Mm -hmm. you know then they're in the end praising themselves but Um, for me following God's principles is honoring him mm -hmm. and trusting him Mm -hmm. that he will heal Mm -hmm. trusting him that he will do that not only physically, he will do that mentally, spiritually, in your mm-hmm. soul. Every mm-hmm. part of you, he can reform. That has been my personal experience okay. so with it's, God. It's been like a whole... Your experience in a healthy lifestyle has touched all aspects of your, your life. Your spiritual, your mental, your physical, everything. Exactly. Okay. That's- and many times I also prayed, God, what of the New Star Principles... Am I still lacking? I ask him and he gives a clear answer. Sometimes, you know, you even know it yourself, but Mm -hmm. you're not seeing it because you're too busy. Uh, Our mind can be clouded by many things. Or even a person starts telling you something, you're like, oh, you know something too much. Okay, yeah, (laughs) perhaps I should exercise more. (laughs) You know, or stuff like that, you know. Mm. So in that way you're mirrored or by reading God's word and just pray more my child mm-hmm. you know stuff like that trust mm-hmm. me more very good so I have another question for you if you were to meet someone who was wanting to um, make some changes in their life and adopt a healthier lifestyle what advice would you have for them in terms of moving forward wow that's a really wonderful question you have there again <laughs> <laughs> I would say that God will help them, that he's their comforter and he will strengthen them in every step to take. Mm-hmm. Because when we have a lifestyle change, it's not just a diet. A diet that's that's uh, like a jacket you put on and then you leave, you know, mm-hmm. again in your closet. No, this is a way of... that has to, to start from without, of course, but mm-hmm. it has to be adapted within. So... Doing that, it's a step by step process. I wouldn't say it starts from one day to the other, then you're done. You know, like mm. uh, oh, person would say I quit smoking in one day. You know, okay, praise the Lord. But sometimes it goes gradually. Mm. With my um, addiction to chocolate, that went mm. gradually. The way I see it is, uh, take one day at a time, mm. take one step at a time. So, for instance, if you are still eating meat. Try to do it less till you're like, okay, let me completely stop with meat products and let me go ahead and eat no more fish. You know, those steps you can take. I didn't have to take those steps. Luckily, I immediately went towards, you know, sugar and then without milk and then without cheese and Mm then without any milk products and then only the egg. Mm -hmm. You know, so. Mm -hmm. It it was gradually, and um, you also have to know how to do that, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, there are many advices. I think you can get uh, online on yeah how to take care of your body in a very good way. All the new sub principles are there. Yeah, how to have also a, bi- a balanced diet and stuff. Mm-hmm. I hope you're encouraged yes. to take it step by step. That's, yes, yes. Uh, that's what I... Uh, I think that is a great encouragement for people because sometimes it can be daunting to try and do so many changes all at once. But if they take it a step at a time, that means they'll get there in the long run. Yeah, exactly. So one person starts focusing on nutrition and the other says, let me first exercise because it's more, um, you know, more important at this moment for my health. You know, Mm -hmm. diabetes, for instance, if you have that, number one is drinking water, number two is moving. And then comes the nutrition, of course. But those two are so important when you are having diabetes. Mm. So that's also, there are at least one or two steps you can take easily that are easy. Uh And then you'll see the benefits and... then Then you're encouraged yes you're like yeah let me continue with the next step very good yeah yeah no thank you so much for sharing that that advice i think people will be very much benefited and um, thank you for sharing with us your experience on the program uh we have been talking with Terza Krauk. thank you for being with us we've been recording on site at a lifestyle center in uh, northeast germany in the mecklenburg region which is about two hours from berlin Thank you for listening to this program, Healthy Living Around the World. Until next time, may God bless you with your health. I'm Casey Butler, and goodbye.
0: This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.